So as we dive into this, I mean, I guess the first question for a lot of people would just be simply, what is Passover and why in the world, as as believers, should we look at it, observe it, celebrate it? Exactly. I mean, I'm sure a lot of folks, in fact, you can email every now and then, it's Good Friday. What are you talking about Passover for? What well, happened to Good Friday? <laughs> and, uh, and Easter's on the way. So, yeah, that this is very true. And uh, we'll I'll dig into all the the who's, what's, when's, and why's to help you explain those things. Uh, the short story is there is no such thing as Good Friday and Easter without Passover. It all comes back to this. This is... Uh, Appointed time. Yeah, and, and, you know, thankfully, the calendar this year... Every now and then it just collides like this. And so these two, which are the same thing, uh, collide. Their Easter Sunday, the Resurrection Day, is a feast of the Lord, the Feast of First Fruits. What we know is Good Friday is Passover. Mm. So uh, the Last Supper was the Passover meal. So all of these things, and uh, it would have would not have happened on a Friday. It would have happened on Thursday. But today is, coincidentally, is really Passover. So this would have been the day when Jesus would have hung on the cross from 9 o'clock until 3 o'clock. So even while we're having this teaching, yeah. we are going to look at that that moment that that is he is the Passover lamb. So mm. it's all about Jesus first Amen. and foremost, yeah. right? Yeah. So now, if you know anything about Passover, you might have seen some of the movies through time, right? You know, we know the story from Exodus in the Bible when the Israelites were living in Egypt, growing in number and strength. So they made the Israelites slaves and they oppressed them and they continued to grow even more so you just couldn't stop it. So when a cruel pharaoh rose up, he commanded that all the newborn babies who were boys were to be immediately thrown into the river and destroyed. Mm. And we just can't even grasp that. It's like, what? Yeah. Now, let's just pause to acknowledge that the Bible doesn't always give us all the details. Sometimes you got to dig in a little more and say, God, help me understand the deal here. And sometimes you just dig and dig and you go, ah. And in this case, the Pharaoh's command is rather odd. And so that should stand out to you. If his goal was to shrink the population of the Israelites, it'd make a lot more sense to shrink the number of girls, not boys. Lots of women with even just one man can produce a large population. Yeah. Lots of men with just one woman take a really long time. So if just a cursory reading of that scripture goes, what? What's yeah. he thinking, right? Yeah. So there are a few reasons you'd want to kill the boys. But what we know is the Pharaoh is very afraid of the Israelites joining his enemies and going to war against them. And it turns out there is a backstory, And it's one of the most important parts of the story, so I don't want to be left out. Reasoning process of Pharaoh is revealed by Josephus, who wrote about Moses and this chapter of Israel history in his book, The Antiquities of the Jews, uh, book number two. And he was writing at the time of about 70 A.D., so just after the mm-hmm. time of Jesus. At a certain time, one of the Pharaoh's sacred scribes, who are very wise in foretelling future events, truly told the king that a child would be born to the Israelites who, if he were reared, would bring the Egyptian dominion low and would raise the Israelites or destroy them. That he would excel all men in virtue and obtain a glory that would be remembered through all the ages. That we can say in short, he was right on that one. That prophecy definitely was right. Now, the kingdom of Egypt is... Basically, the scribe is saying, this kingdom is in danger. An Israeli king is going to be born soon. They'll overthrow the pharaohs and take control. And, of course, that prophecy was very correct. Moses was coming. And not just Moses, but in the bigger picture, the Messiah was coming. And in 1,500 years, 
King Herod would go the murderous route of Pharaoh and try to stop Jesus the exact same way, killing all the boys. Mm -hmm. So this birth had been foretold since the Garden of Eden when man first fell. Redemption was coming in the form of the seed of Eve. A baby was coming. Yeah. So now with a little more information, you go back to the story. And what this passage is saying is Pharaoh, he's not just randomly killing baby boys. He's killing all of them in hopes that he'll kill the new Israelite ruler that's to be born. Or if he fails... He's killing that future king's army. Right. So king of the boys, you can kill the boys. It wouldn't make sense in those two realms. So it wasn't just about population. Right. Right. But in one sense, you could say, well, the population of the future army, sure. Yeah. So he is saying, he's just not saying it all. But if you, once you understand the reasoning, the passage is, is explains it just very well. Yeah. So as we pick the story back up, you got this fearful king commanding every male child born to the Israelites should be destroyed. And the parents would have to cast their babies into the river. And if any of the parents should disobey, try to save their male children, they and their families should be destroyed. Hmm. So here's what you got to remember. And this is the most important thing. Passover is about a person, Moses. Don't ever lose sight of that. Ultimately, it's about the sacrifice of a lamb, which you then eat. Yep. But that baby lamb would one day be a person, <laughs> Yeshua, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So all of Scripture is just a revealing of people who represent that lamb mm -hmm. on that journey there, right? The so, type and shadow, yeah. Yeah, So and, and it brings us up to a really fascinating connection, too. In Genesis 22, you have the story of the binding of Isaac. And God says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. I'm going to show you the mountain and all that. And on the third day, Abraham looks up, sees the distance. It's the third day. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son, Isaac, on the third day. And he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went up together. Now, for the Jews who don't follow Jesus, who don't believe Yeshua was the Messiah, it's interesting because at the time of Jesus, before and after, they were creating what's known as the Mishnah. It's the written down oral law, which some Jews consider even more sacred than the Torah, the, the actual Bible. And, and it describes Isaac as one, this is their words, carrying a cross. Hmm. As you can imagine, the farther you dig in this Mishnah, which they still follow today and read today and still consider more important than the Bible, uh, Isaac in this Mishnah, Isaac speaks and says to his father, Abraham, Father, uh, the fire and the wood are here. Uh, there was a lamb for the burnt offering. And this is the same passage also in our scripture. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them go on together. And a different section of the Mishnah picks this up with some narrative of Isaac telling Abraham to tie him tight so if he struggles, he won't break any bones. Yeah. So, and again, Exodus 12, when you describe the Passover lamb, it must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. And break none of its bones. Do not break its bones. Yeah. So the rabbis, not Christians, rabbis describing in the Mishnah were clearly identifying Isaac like, like this Moses, like this Messiah figure. And his story involves a cross and the rules of Passover. So once you see this story begin, it's going to start unveiling more and more yeah. and more. And it's just not going to stop. And if you notice... Wherever you go in the Passover story, you're always looking at somebody, a mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. The central character of the Passover, the Exodus from Egypt, is Moses. It's not about a story. It's about a person. Without the person, there's no story. Now, the prophet Isaiah writes about another Moses figure that's going to come. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him 
who announces the good news. He mm. brings good news, announces salvation. Now, the word salvation in Scripture is the word Yeshua, or more appropriately, Yehoshua. And it tells the Scripture and tells Zion, it's God rules as king. So it's announcing Yeshua. Yeah. God's salvation. Jehovah will show his holy power to yeah. all nations. All the ends of the earth will see salvation. But again, for the Jews reading it in Hebrew, we'll see the Yeshua of our God. So, you know, it, it gets funny by the time you get to Jesus coming as a born on the earth with his Hebrew name, Yeshua. Because from the beginning of time, it's been foretold, and mm. here he comes. The name of the Father is Jehovah. God the Father is Jehovah. Yeah. The name of the Son is Yehoshua or Yeshua. Both mean Jehovah is salvation. Yeah. So from the time of Moses and Joshua, this name has been declared. And the fact that God himself will save us. So when Yeshua, Jesus, comes on the scene, his name has been declared as the source of God's salvation for 1,500 years. Mm. So Passover was, is, and will always be about the Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Modern-day Jews would like the story to be about the law or the exodus from slavery because every person, as you can imagine, every figure in the Passover from Isaac to Moses points to the need for a mediator, mm. a blood sacrifice. They always end up at Yeshua, Jesus, as the Lamb, and it can be a little frustrating if you don't believe in them. So the story for us as Christians more than anything that you do and you walk through as you celebrate Passover, keep the focus where the focus is. Because for the Jews today who are celebrating Passover tonight, the meal tonight, they will leave that part out mm. in every way that they can. Not some not intentionally, but just for the habits of the rabbis. Because it's the real story. Yeah. We know the real story. And yeah. as Christians, we can celebrate that better than any other group of people on the face of the earth. Because this Jewish uh, man came for all of us. Yeah. And we're very thankful. It gives us a reason to pray for the Jews, especially on this day. Many will come to Yeshua today. Yeah. You should pray for them. Yes. Man.